Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Uh, time for how to uh, when we address the sorts of decisions we don't take every day. Today it's how to donate blood. Dr. Ellen McSweeney is the Irish Blood Transfusion Service donor consultant. Ellen, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you too. Uh, I should give a few questions for you already. I'll, I'll get to them though. Uh, firstly, um, how bad is it in terms of donations? As in, you're not getting enough. We're not getting enough on a regular basis. Yeah. And and I think that's actually the problem. Now, we had to go to appeal last week. And as usual, the public respond really well. They really do when we're short. And we were around about the three days. And thankfully, we've had the response we wanted. And we're now between around sort of four to five days, depending on the blood group. But the lowest one is APOS, which is still only 3.3 days. So we need... We thanks, thank everyone who's donated so far, and that's wonderful. But we need people to continue to donate, especially with the summer period and holidays. Right. How how regularly can someone donate blood? Oh, every 90 days. OK, yeah. Uh, uh, so that's uh, so you get people coming in a few times a year then. You, yeah. do, you do. Most people probably only give only give twice at the most every year. But look, it's great if people can, even if they give once, if they could come twice, that would be wonderful. But you can donate every 90 days. Yeah, OK. So for the person who has never done this before, um, do they go onto the website first? Uh, well, that's what we'd advise them to do, actually. Go on our website and there's loads of information there. But I'm sure most people are interested in, are they actually eligible? Yeah. So we asked them to go on. There's two eligibility quizzes, one for people who haven't donated ever or haven't donated in the last five years and one for people who are regular donors. And we really advise people to go and do the appropriate quiz for them. But for somebody who's never donated, then it, there's lots of things like the age limits, um, somebody's weight, some, if they are medication, there's a whole load questions and they would give a very good indication at the end of that if they've answered all the questions and they're okay then it means they're very likely to be eligible to donate now they're more detailed questions when somebody comes in but they're very likely to be so then what we actually say is look up our website and look at find find a clinic and if there's a clinic in the donor's area ring us up and make an appointment because of all of all of our clinics now are by appointment so ring up the, our, our free phone number one 800 and actually make an appointment to come and donate. And and that's, I guess, I guess that's the kind of pre, before yes. the clinic bit. Yes, right. Okay, so so when they've made the appointment, yeah. though, is there further testing then? Do you test the blood before okay. you allow them to donate? Or um, how does that work? Well, we do, we do for some people. But for, say for people who are born in Ireland, are born in the UK, then when they actually come in to us, if they're eligible on the day, then we take a donation from them. And of course, that will be tested for the blood group, for antibody screen, HIV, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, hepatitis E, etc., syphilis. But for people who were born outside, of Ireland or the UK, then the first time they're actually eligible, we just take samples. And that's because we found that there was a higher rate, particularly of hepatitis B in people born outside of Ireland. So that's why we introduced that back in 2006. Right. Okay. Uh, Let me ask you a few of these questions then. Can you give blood if you've previously had jaundice? I was always told you couldn't. Uh, You see, this is why we like people to go to the eligibility quiz because we've made a lot of changes. And just because somebody was told they couldn't donate before doesn't mean that that's the case now. And in fact, you can. Um, If you had jaundice under the age of 13, the likelihood is it was hepatitis A. And there isn't a, a, a 
chronic carrier status of hepatitis A so somebody can actually donate. And again, it depends on what caused the jaundice. Was it, you know, was it gallstones? If it's gallstones and you've had surgery and you're well, then, then yeah, you can come as soon as you're improved. It's the hepatitis that we're worried about, you know, hepatitis B, hepatitis mm. C. So so let us know what the circumstances were. It could be a reaction to a drug, for example. So depending on what it was, then we let the person know whether they can donate or not. Uh, why can't I donate blood 17 years after getting a transfusion myself? I'd been a donor for years before that. OK, um, this is a measure that we brought in um, in the early 2000s because of varying CJG. Now, at yeah. the time, you know, BSE in the UK and there were transmissions of um, varying CJG by blood transfusion. Now, this was actually before the blood is actually filtered. We call it leukodepletion. But at any rate, at that point in time, then because there was, they, you know, there were a few cases, there were, were four cases, but we didn't know at that stage how many cases there might be. So we brought that in as a, not to perpetuate the cycle as it were. If you've been transfused, then we wouldn't pass it on to somebody else. And varying CJD was that prime condition, but somebody might be well for years and not know about it. So that's why that was introduced. Right. So uh, actually a couple of questions in that area. Uh, I was a student in Wales in the 90s. I had malaria in Africa in the mid 90s. Can, uh, can I give blood? Well, you can now because only um, two weeks ago now, on the 22nd of May, we introduced a test from malaria antibody, malaria antibody screening test. And this means that somebody who ever had malaria can actually come and we'll do a sample as well the first time to make sure that there are no antibodies left um, from the time of the malaria. But somebody has to be fully recovered and off all treatment for at least three years. And if they are, then we, and we ask as well that somebody um, has left the most recent malaria endemic area for at least six months. And if that's the case, we'll take the samples. If the samples are negative, then they can come in and donate. OK, so and in, in but say because I have another question here on that as well, but specifically in terms to uh, of the BSE. Yes. If someone lived in the UK in the mid 90s, that, that that's not a... a a factor oh, anymore. That, that's not a problem anymore. We actually did a risk assessment and decided it was no longer it was no longer an issue. And so from October 2019 it doesn't, we changed the guideline back, it doesn't matter if you lived in the UK or not, you can come and donate. Okay. Uh, can I donate if I take an over-the-counter iron supplement? Um, over-the-counter, yes. And again, it depends on why is the person on the, on the iron supplement. If they actually are iron deficient, they've been anemic, they needed iron to actually increase their iron storage, bring them back up to normal levels, and they're still on it because often somebody would be prescribed iron for perhaps six months after, you know, the hemoglobin comes back to normal. So if it's for deficiency, then we say, no, wait until you're off of the treatment and your hemoglobin is back to normal. And we actually say, wait a year. Now, if somebody's just taking an iron supplement because, you know, they feel it's a good thing to do, that's okay. Yeah, okay. Can someone with hemochromatosis donate blood? Uh, yes, they can. And again, this is something we introduced some years ago. Um, but 
But we have, at this point in time, anybody who's hemochromatosis can come to any of our clinics, but they must be well. They must not have had any of the complications like cardiac complications, diabetes, liver problems, etc. And they must be well controlled. So what we call de-iron. So the high iron levels are back to normal levels. So they must have gone to their GP and got their, their ferritin levels is what they are actually checked. And if they're within the normal range, then they can come and donate. Assuming they're, you know, all the other eligibility criteria that they're okay with that. I use a slow-release insulin, although I'm not diagnosed as diabetic. Can I still donate? Uh, no, afraid not. Anybody, well, yeah, anybody who actually has diabetes and needs insulin can't donate. So again, I, I again, somebody who needs insulin for whatever reason, the answer mm. would be no. Right, okay. I'm 46, postmenopausal on HRT. Can I donate? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I went to donate blood last year after a long break. I was turned away because I'm too light. Eight stone 11 or uh, 55 and a half kg uh, for a five foot one um, uh, fit woman is hardly light. To clarify, I mean fit as in I run exercise, not the other fit. I would need a higher unhealthy BMI to donate. She says, and no, it's absolutely nothing to do with the BMI. And it's all about somebody's blood volume. We estimate the blood volume. Now, the minimum weight for somebody to donate is seven stone 12, which is 50 kgs. But in fact, for younger donors or for donors who haven't donated in a while, like, like this lady, then uh, for females only, not for males, then we do a more detailed, like it's a chart. We call it nomogram and we plot the height and the weight and we must have a blood volume of three and a half litres. It's all about um, not depleting somebody, not taking more than 15% of a donor's total blood volume, because if we did that, they'd be more likely to faint. So it's a donor safety issue. That's right. what that is. OK. Can you give blood if you've previously had jaundice? Uh, again, as per, per the first question, yeah. it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, I've read that one out already. I've given blood but never realised till my husband was sick with cancer that cancer patients uh, need blood transfusions too. I didn't, uh, I didn't realise that either. Um, right. The, the, the actual process, if you've yeah. kind of, you know, uh, been accepted as being okay, they put a needle in you, obviously. How long does it take? Okay, well, the, pro- the, the actual donation part of it is only sort of six to eight minutes. Now, it depends on how good somebody's veins are. And the maximum for the actual needle in your arm bit is 15 minutes. But we actually say to people, look, allow an hour, 60 to 80 minutes perhaps for the whole process in the clinic because, and, and we ask people to prepare as well at home to, you know, be well, especially in this really hot weather, be well hydrated and um, because that would help to prevent somebody fainting when they come in. Yes. But when they come to the clinic, they register, give all the details, you get the, the HLQ, the Health and Lifestyle Questionnaire, fill that up, uh, talk to a nurse or another staff member and go through the questionnaire if there are any, you know, there may be some reasons why somebody's not eligible, but it's Assuming they are eligible and they were born in Ireland or the UK, then they can they get the hemoglobin. It's a finger test to make sure they're not anemic and then go ahead. It's eight minutes, approximately six to eight for on average, because it can take longer in the bed. Then we ask people to rest and we actually ask people. It's very important that people, if they feel in any way unwell, lightheaded, you know, uncomfortable, or even if, if the needle is beginning to feel uncomfortable, let us know, because that's very important and we stop it straight away. Mm-hmm. But assuming they're fine, they can then go, we get plaster on their arm, which they should leave on for 12 hours. They can go to the canteen and we ask people to stay around about 15 minutes and, you know, have some refreshment in the canteen and uh, hopefully 
Uh, have some biscuits. Right. Yeah, because a, a, a similar question about will it be weak afterwards, uh, the, but this is from a breastfeeding mother. Can uh, um, Is that recommended if you're breastfeeding okay. that you give well, blood? The, gu- the guideline actually is not so much about the breastfeeding, but how long is it since the lady was pregnant? And if it's more than a year since she was pre- since she delivered, then the breastfeeding is irrelevant to one extent. Right, but it must okay. be a year. So, yeah. And that's, again, donor safety is to make sure that the lady has had a chance to build up her iron levels again. Yeah. Um, uh, gay men, what's the situation uh, gay there? Gay men, we actually introduced what we call IDRA, Individual Donor Risk Assessment, last November. Up to that point, um, sexually active gay men couldn't donate. But now the questions are different. They're gender neutral. And we asked the question of everybody, have you had a new sexual partner in the last four months? or have you had more than one sexual partner? If the answer is no, they can go ahead and donate. If the answer is yes, we then ask, did you have anal sex with the, you know, your new partner or with more, or or if you've had more than one partner with any one of the multiple Mm. partners? If the answer is no, they can donate. If it's yes, they have to be deferred for four months. Right, okay. And uh, the... uh uh, can smokers donate blood? Somebody wants smokers, to know. Yes, they can. But we ask people not to smoke for an hour afterwards in case they begin to feel faint afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, inevitably, because we even we were talking about this before we came on air, free, uh, free pint of Guinness. That's that's long gone. That's long gone indeed. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's get, tea and biscuits. It's tea and biscuits. Tea and biscuits will, will, will do you. Ellen, thanks a million for coming into us uh, today. You're very that, welcome. Uh, that was uh, Dr. Ellen McSweeney there from the Irish Blood Transfusion uh, Service. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 pm with Energlaze on News Talk.